Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Amy Rollinson. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah. Where are we? <laughs> totally Hi, <confused>. Pete. <laughs> well, we've been sitting here for about three hours and we haven't started, so it might have been daylight when we started, but it won't be when we finish. That's what it's all about. When you get two, two sort of hosts coming together and they've loads to share, well, suddenly there's like the conversation. It's like, we, we actually should start this. So, um, listen, welcome to the show. It's been awesome to have you on. So, it's, it's taken a while, you know, uh, just with life, let's say. So, um, thank you for coming on. So, Amy, tell us, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Oh, sounds like Scylla Black there. <laughs> I am Graham, yeah. <laughs> so my name is Amy Rowlandson, as you said, and I'm a life purpose coach. I focus on why and I help other people to focus on their why. And the main way I do that is through coaching and podcasting. I provide the forum for people to create a safe space for them to explore their own purpose. And they do that with me coaching and also on the podcast, people come on and they share why they do what they do and provide relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations from people from all walks of life. And that's something that I really am really focusing on because I don't want it to be just those who have accumulated huge success in whatever respect that may be. It's those who are almost starting out on that journey as well, because I'm providing inspiration for others. That's what I want to do. That's where I feel my sort of calling is, if for want of a better word, is to to help others in life. And I have been doing that ever since I was little. Just picking up on the title of the podcast there as well, I mean, why focus? Oh, it's, it's, it was all about understanding essentially when you're in flow and understanding mm. that it's not just about the whole Simon Sinek start with why or find your why. It was all about focus on it so understand that that is a, a constant it's not just a, a one piece that you do as an exercise it's a, a carry it on through and, and follow that thread in your life so yeah it was it, it just made more sense to have that as an imperative to just sort of enable and empower others to focus on their own lane and put those blinkers on and not look elsewhere look at look outward but to focus inward that's great because I mean it's not like you sort of take the red pill and that's it all sorted, job done, get on with your life, sorted, brilliant, right? It's there's a bit more to it than that, right? It is. It's exactly that. It's the ongoing journey and the understanding that it's not a quick fix. This is an ongoing process. No, I love that. It's it's it is. It's and it's. I mean, it's a never-ending process for a lot of people too. You know, it depends on where you're at and what's going on, but it's really just getting your head around that. Before we really get into it, tell me, what does fire in the belly mean to you, Amy? Oh, it's such an interesting question, because if you'd asked me that a year ago, I would have answered something very different. I would have sort of said it would have been genuine response, of course, but it would have been more calculated, more deliberate. And in the last year, just so much has happened. And I would say 
that I've just become exposed to so many different unique stories, so many different elements, but it really has lit a fire in my belly and that I didn't necessarily know was there. And so for me, it's a blend of my values. It's, it's like an effervescence. It's something I have an intense energy and enthusiasm for life already. You know, that, that goes without saying, but this sort of fire, this burning desire is, doesn't come from a, a materialistic perspective or a, it comes from a, this meaningful and purposeful perspective. And for me, it's, it's passion, it's purpose, it's freedom, it's flexibility, it's brilliance, it's achievement, it's connectedness, it's all of that. And that's the difference that, you know, between you asking me that a year ago and where I am now, again, if you ask me in a year's time, it's going to be a diff, not a different fire in the belly, but it's going to be even more ignited. And something that sort of happened to me, I got COVID over Christmas and I spent so long avoiding it. I'd sort of kept myself in the, in the office every day and I was recording numerous number of podcasts with people. So I understand what it is to have fire in my belly and I understand what it is to, to make a difference in the world because this podcast focus on why it has done that. It's been incredible. And when I got COVID, you know, that, one of the symptoms is to have that loss of, of breath. And recently, one of my guests that came on the show, she was born ready to die. She had a 20% chance of survival. And she has a maxim in life, which is while I'm still breathing, I'm not done. And that phrase really hit me. And it really made me understand And when I had that loss of breath with COVID and it took and it's taken the breath away from so many, it has just really helped me to understand that whilst I'm still breathing, I am not done. And that fire in the belly is absolutely there every day. I think it's a great, I mean, that, I suppose, it was that almost like an, a bit of an awakening for you, a bit of an, an awareness to suddenly have that? Yeah, I mean, the creation of this podcast was a, an ignition of something that had been burning, festering, festering sounds the wrong word, that sounds, that doesn't sound great, but it, it, it was, it was bubbling, it was, the creation was there, and it was a, an element of bring in some confidence, bring in some self-belief, bring in some willingness and understanding the purpose of who it was going to help, then it just became an unstoppable desire to, to put that into process, put that into action. Out of interest, are, are you where you're supposed to be now? Oh, where I'm supposed to be. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And before I would give myself a hard time. I, and, and when I say before, this was probably just a matter of a few years ago. And I never really understood what to do. I spent 12 years at home raising the children. And I was always pondering during the day, you know, what to do between 10 and 2, that sort of those brilliant hours of what could I do? What business could I create? And nothing really struck me. Nothing really ever came to mind. And it was one of those, oh, this is ridiculous. There's got to be more than, you know, making apple puree cubes for the kids, you know, <laughs> so, or whatever it was at the time. And, and whilst I, I absolutely embraced motherhood, I, I loved it. I just knew that there was something else, but it never came. And it has taken me all my life to get to this point, obviously, but in the sense that I never really understood how all of the threads and all the different elements of what I'd been doing finally sort of showed me what it is 
that I could do and how I could affect all of the the brilliance that I have within me and and that and unleash that potential and it does sound cliche but when you know you know when when did that turning point happen for you then there was a point when I was working for I'd gone back to work for a company when I say gone back I didn't go back I, I was I was headhunted to go and work with a particular startup business and I'd been out of work for 12 years and there was a huge process and journey that I had to take myself on just to get ready to go back into the work world because I had lost a lot of confidence in in my ability I'd been a really high achiever before having children and then I had a huge career break and that was an uncomfortable space that was uncomfortable but I wanted to prove to myself to others that I had great value so I was pretty fearful it was a state of fear going into that but excitement at the same time and, and the curiosity of what it is i could achieve for this company how i could help them and going into that space took me on an incredible journey of understanding how i still wasn't reaching my full potential and the date of brexit came along in terms of the decision so 23rd of june 2016 and i was i was working for a company and they asked me after a few sort of weeks or so they said do you mind reducing your days and i said you know this is perfect timing i'm actually okay i'm going to resign not what they wanted but absolutely the right decision for me and i had a property that i needed to do some refurbishment on it was perfect timing i could put all my energies into that i love transformation i've done some really big property trans- transformations and refurbishments in my time and this it was an opportunity for me to do that and it was that week my last week of work that i saw in in the metro an ad and i guess it was my reticular activating system was tuned in to more property because that ad has been running weekly for how many years and it was a two two hour seminar i went along i got sort of upsold to the three day the three day became the two year course as as these things happen and i was extremely gullible but it was the right time for me and what i saw was the key for me that sort of absolute sort of epiphany was understanding that i could create an independence for us as a family that i could release my husband from his his role at work his job and so i set myself a target of 3 years and i retired my husband in 3 years congratulations first of all thank you that's an that's an awesome achievement i'm curious to know the mindset that you went into so you talked about that seeing the advert listen it's right yeah. thing at the right time or whatever but you you mentioned you talk about it as being the key so it's not actually the it wasn't the solution or the end result this was a, a step right absolutely and it's really really insightful that you spotted that because property for me whilst i i like the transformation elements that the mechanics behind it doesn't sort of float my interest it was it was a it was a fuel to me to step into other spaces and it was a fuel that allowed my husband to to move into other spaces as well and so from that perspective i saw it as being the unlocking of essentially our future of of all of these elements and i hadn't heard of personal development i i've sort of seen an occasional book here and there but i i threw myself head in into the, the the whole shelves of personal development and I read so I've read so many books in the last few years and what I've got from that is I have an an absolute 
unquenchable thirst for learning. It is, it's always been one of my huge values in life is to, to understand that I am not done, that there is so much more. But I didn't know that there was this whole way of thinking. And so for me, that has been transformational for so many reasons, not just for my life. And I got really preachy at the beginning. When I first started, I was like, to everyone in the family, this is the way we all need to live. This is what we need to do. This is how we need to operate. And I and my husband just said, look, you need to just calm down and just take, take a back seat here because this is not working for any of us. But I, I said, okay, fine, let me just switch this around. And so I took on board the learnings and I just acted. I just did. And I just kept quiet. I didn't then dictate anything to anyone in the family. And slowly, sometimes actually quite quickly, I could see transformations in the rest of them. And I could see my daughter was suddenly talking about financial literacy to her peers. She was, you know, at the time she was 15 and she was doing talks about this is how you can actually create an independence. You don't need to, you can be an entrepreneur. You can do all of these different things. You don't need to follow the set route. And I was like, mission accomplished. <laughs> this is fantastic. And that is something that I am I'm a massive advocate for is just understanding that there is no prescribed route, that you have the option to choose what you want to do. And it is a choice. And I'm a massive advocate for midlife beginnings, having been one several times in the last few years. Why waste a good midlife opportunity, as they say, right? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, if I, if I knew that this was coming, I would have done this 20 years ago. You're kind uh, of going, yeah, how, how, many, uh, how many midlifes can I actually do? Because I don't know with yourself. I mean, I find with a number of guests, we, we tend to follow like a cycle of seven years or 10 years. It's generally a pattern that we go through. And in some ways, you kind of go, well, celebrate that, right? You know, you got to either change a career or a change of circumstance or something goes on big in our lives instead of running away from it you know is, is embracing the change if you can yeah I haven't mapped out to see exactly whether there's a, a cycle that is rhythmic or is predictable uh, I've just I have gone with a flow I used to be a rower and I think I sometimes I just let myself drift and and I do allow that headspace to drift as well as being very conscious I think there's there's a nice sort of balance between that but knowing that I have choice knowing that I'm taking control and responsibility for my life but also allowing some things just to manifest or things to happen there, there's a, a sort of a, a real a sort of alchemy of, of of magic there in in that you are blending the, the two ways the sort of understanding that there can be process but also that there can be flexibility and freedom and that's for me I, always I think I was just drifting and I didn't have a set plan. And now I'm, I'm much more focused, much more also in a flow state, which is, you know, goes back to that focus on the why element. But I, I have embraced the understanding now that I, I can, I can be whatever I want to be. You know, it's never too late to be what I might've been scenario. That's my kind of motto. Awesome. I mean, you, you mentioned their flow state. T talk to us about that. Give us a bit of uh, an overview for someone looking in from the outside. Oh, I heard it described once and it just makes me laugh. It was one of my one of my guests came on the show and he said it's when you forget to eat, drink, poop. You know, you're just so in that zone and you're absolutely loving what you're doing. That's when you're in the flow state. And for me, I can sit in this office and the whole day will go past, 12, 14 hours will go past. And I, I literally have loved every second of it because I know that I'm now in a space which is 
just who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing and how I can sort of point my superpowers. So for me, the flow state is understanding, you know, that's that energy and applying that energy. And I guess maybe it's channeling your fire in the belly. That's that's what the flow is. It's it's that understanding of how you can point it into the right places and and use it or because there's no point having this fire in the belly if you then don't act on it. I mean, that's so true, isn't it? You know, it's even like with your why and it's kind of if, you know, finding that and then building up the energy. So directing your your passions, directing all your decisions towards that why, that purpose, that thing, as opposed to being that scattered, don't know, don't know. You know, it's, it's, I think, I forget the author's name, but he talks about that in essentialism. You either focus all on one thing and, and achieve a lot or you, you know, you disperse all over the place and you achieve lots of little things. And it's, is, is that the why? Is that the fire in the belly? Which is it, do you think? I don't know. I mean, you're talking about Gary Keller and, and um, or, yeah, it's, it's Keller and Papasan, isn't it? The one thing. When, you, when you're chasing two rabbits, you, that, that's, his, that's his philosophy. You're not going to catch either one. And again, there is that focus on, on understanding what it is you want to achieve to be able to achieve it. For me, it's understanding how you can apply your values to what you're doing and understanding your values. You're a big fan of Dr. John Martini, as am I. And understanding when you are when you value your values, you, you're valued for your work. And a lot of people don't recognize that the conflict in their lives is because they're not actually pursuing their, their values. They're not, they're not honoring them. But, and that they, they probably don't even know essentially what they are. If, they had to, if you had to stop someone in the street and ask them, would they be able to say what their top values are? They'll, again, you know, this is the thing, this is something that I didn't necessarily notice or, or understand until more recently. And now it makes the decisions and choices so much easier because I can just say, is that in alignment with my values? If not, no. If yes, fantastic. And it's, it just becomes so much, I mean, it's, it's almost binary. It's just so easy to understand what it is I want to spend my time on. And that focus is so much more clear for me out of interest do you think do people get you <laughs> in in what sense well because i often find it interesting especially with guests not this after a while you kind of realize it's like are you are you slowing down your thought process to let me keep up or do you know some ways sometimes people are going that you know, it's like, God, if I really told you what I was thinking, you'd lock me up. You know, you have all these variants and saying, well, I'm, I'm kind of presenting myself here to be sane, normal, comprehensible. But actually, if you let me into my pure flow state, my pure point of creation, then actually, yeah, just stand back. I don't know. I, I have a, a huge amount of energy and I always have done. I mean, people have described me as almost Tigger-like. But without, you know, with, with the owl brain, <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of bouncing, but but also there is a bit behind in the, it, there is some gray matter in there. Uh, but it is that energy that I have that sort of effervescence because it, and it's a natural energy as well. It's not force. It's, it comes from a point of, I wake up in the morning and I do bounce out of bed and I do want to help other people knowing that what I have to offer or what I am 
enabling them to do I mean this is the difference between the coaching and mentoring work I do it's very it's very different you know different hats in terms of the mentoring I'm showing sharing my knowledge and the steps to take but the coaching I really enjoy because actually I don't say very much at all and and I really enjoy that listening piece and I've always I've always enjoyed that listening piece I've always been there for others the question you asked me do people get me more so now that I've stepped into being more me and 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 understanding who I am I think I I ha- there was elements of me that have showed up over the years and they've come out and they've been rewarded they've been recognized they've been accepted and and appreciated but I think now what I'm doing is I I'm allowing myself to be more authentic authentic is that the right word vulnerable perhaps uh, just more I'm so positive and I'm so I have so optimistic that sometimes people say oh Amy you know you don't get it because you, you only see the positive side of things I see I see both sides I choose to focus on what I can act on and what I can help with. And so sometimes people say, you, you know, you don't get it, but I do, but it, it comes across differently. Does that make sense? It does totally. I, I, I get it. I get it. I do. It's, <laughs> I mean, out of curiosity, have, have you been this before in your life, if that makes sense? In small elements, they were, they've been released over the years, for sure and never quite come together as, as a whole piece. And I think that's where you asked earlier, it was, it was like an epiphany. It was like a, I feel like it's a, the calling. Essentially, I had all these jigsaw pieces. And for the first time in my life that I understand and truly step up into that space, I know what that picture looks like. And that is, that's an amazing clarity. It's an amazing space of knowing yeah and it feels great and that's where my energy and my drive comes from to help others to achieve that state that way of being and way of living and i do choose the word living as opposed to existing very different isn't it is that a is that a push-pull type of a factor is it it's stepping into that space of choice and decisions and not being fatalistic and not being things happening to you that you are you are the creation and you are making things happen for yourself and it, it's the whole understanding that together we are all connected and yet we can all be unique and diverse at the same time and it's that understanding that I, I, I am a bridge builder. I bring people together. I'm a futurist. I'm a visionary in that sense. And I, I aspire to, to build a better life and a better world for everyone. So I, it, I feel it is my role to bring people together, but also to enable them to recognize their strengths, their superpowers, their desires, and help them to put that into practice. And it sounds huge, and it is huge. But I know it can be done because I've been there and I've experienced the the pains and and the the benefits. Because with all of this, you have the balance of both. Do you are you have the concept that to sort of to see the light, you've got to see the dark? Is it is it all contrast? 
there, there are, there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum, and yeah, I, I am a big fan. We were talking about Dr. John Demartini now, and it's just coming to me about the way that he's he actually doesn't always see passion as being a great thing. He sees passion as being a a, a controversial sense as well, and and I do agree with what he says that there is that a balance where where you will see conflict you will also see peace where you see intelligence you'll also see sort of ignorance and whatever the scale is or whatever the opposites are I do believe that in every sense you there is there are both elements but you choose to to see one or the other sometimes and it's often when we 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 don't see the positive sides we only see the negative sides that we have that unbalanced viewpoint it's gone very uh, philosophical here today. I did sort of say we could go where we want to go, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. There's, there's a sort of a theory I sort of, you know, like, and I know John D. Martini talks about it. There's a lot of people talk about it, you know, but to me, it's almost like for a lot of people, their voids become their values, you know, and it's, it's trying to separate that through the egoic mind and saying, you know, it's like, well, I really want money. And it's kind of going, well, why? It's like, because we didn't have, or I wanted or whatever. You kind of go, okay, here's some money. What do you really want? I don't know. Do you, do you follow that, that sort of? Yeah, I mean, there's also the whole philosophy that people often know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. And for I, I recently read a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and she's speaking about how often it's the heartbreak where our passion, for want of a better word, lies. And in in solving that problem from a, a from a perspective greater than us we 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 find that true fulfillment in life and and it is true when we we, we do things for ourselves we, we we get happiness but when we do things for others we find that fulfillment and so for me my the life that I now have is so fulfilling because I know that it's a bigger piece and I and I also don't need to know what changes have been affected from the work I do I, that that's not important to me. I, I, I what I all I need to know and all I desire to know is that I know that people are taking action as a result of tuning into the podcast or working with me from a coaching perspective, because it's it's just understanding that I have made a difference, and I, I, I you know I ask people to reach out and share those those what, what they're doing. Not everyone does, and that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't need that. But I just, I love the fact that things are happening, and then they are causing ripple effects in the in their own ways as well. It is that thing of dropping a pebble in the pond and turning your back and walking away without, without knowing where it's going to go. Right? You know, it's just, um, it just is. Yeah, absolutely, Powerful. and. I mean, it's what you're doing here as well, isn't it, Pete? It's what you're you're creating here, the, the ripple effects, causing people to stop in their tracks and think. For me, it is. It's, it's just that. I mean, we've never been more connected, and yet we've never been so disconnected. You know, it's you have an opinion, a thought, a, a like, a response, a whatever. You know, there's no shortage of that, but yet the one person we don't always seem to be listening to is ourselves. Um, and that's, that's quite scary. I don't know. I, I, I find it scary. I suppose just where I've come through that I got to 
my sort of midlife crisis slash opportunity and kind of realized like, well, I, I don't know what I want, you know, and that's, that's sort of searching, you know, you take off all the, the sort of egoic values and then you say, well, okay, take away the car, the house and everything else. What, what do you want? You know, and I sort of always find that you can end up find yourself howling at the moon. You don't know what you want, you know, right. But it, it takes some deep searching to get that, you know. Yeah, and and it is it is the the quest that we have been on for millennia, you know, that and the reason why it happens over and over again in a kind of a groundhog day fashion is that people believe that there must be a single way or a single route. And so they 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 sort of dismiss what's actually happening within and they're seeking external sources of validation or or inspiration. And Yes, I mean, you could say that our podcasts are external sources of, of, of validation and inspiration, but, but with the encouragement to look within, you know, that, that's the core message that we often have. And, and I share on a lot of the episodes or the, even the guests have shared is it is we all have this unique set of values, unique set of beliefs and unique desires, and they come together to create that unique life of their own. And when you understand that, when you understand that that's the you know the way or a way that will help towards fulfillment, and it, it is just a way. There are other people who find it doing different things, but it, it tends to be the common way of finding the fulfillment that I've sought. But people don't necessarily see that for themselves. And and you said it just a minute ago when you listen to yourself, you know, you listen to what your your life has been telling you and you look back at the events in your past and you see that common thread you see how it has been there since you were very young but you just didn't trust it and you don't trust your subconscious you, you know you're much more likely to trust your conscious mind which is actually you know only what 12 percent of, of of your mind and it's 88 percent is your subconscious i mean it's yeah trust your subconscious more Talk to us a bit about money, Amy. <laughs> you want my money story? Go for it. What a, well, it's an interesting story, and, and it's something I do a lot with my coaching clients is to sort of help them understand what their money story is as well. And growing up, I, I was talking about a couple of stories that I think you know had a, a have had a pivotal input on, on the way that I've thought about money as a child and I must have been 18 months or less than two I threw some pound notes onto the fire and at that time that was a lot of money that was you know at least a week's rent if not two weeks rent I didn't know what I was doing but I've my family have not let me you know not let that one go you know that was obviously a really big deal and was very painful for them at the time and so I guess there was an element of fear and there was an element of, of uh, lack of money when I was younger. And so I, I spent probably from the age of 13 onwards working and I always, I've always had a job. I had a paper round. I then had two jobs all the way through from school and I worked all through the day, 9.30 to 5.30 at weekends then from 6 to 10.30 I used to work in a local wine shop. So I always worked for money. I then went straight into working. I was working through university. I was working. So for me, hard work equaled the money. 
and it was a there was a finite resource and I was very I was very generous with it but because I didn't want to have that feeling that I remember growing up of scarcity I hated that so I was always very generous with my money but I also worked very hard for it but I will put myself in positions where I could earn well so I, I was very sort of aspirational and had a high level of achievement and that was something that was quite a, a difficult departure when I was a mum and when I was at home being a mum not work, not having that income and that's probably the my biggest driver to have gone back to work was to earn that money again and yet I didn't have that same level of of reward that same level of money and now building up the property portfolio distributing money and being so aware being so much more financially literate now and being really quite creative and crafty and and able and confident with money it has totally transformed the way that I perceive it the way that I receive it and also attaching sort of self-worth and emotions to it it's very empowering to have a different money story now than when I grew up so that was my sort of money story in a nutshell but it, it is incredible how we all have one and how a lot of people don't recognize what they learned as a child and then built their belief systems on from the age of seven. And they're acting as a, a you know, grown adult, maybe in their late 30s or 40s, with those same beliefs that they had when they were very young and were often enforced on by others. They were, grew up with different sort of money mentalities. So for me, being a mother and, and empowering my two children and then and sort of enabling them to make financial decisions and be independent. That's been one of my core messages and drivers and also to, to other women out there to be more financially literate and not be dependent in, in relationships on others to, to do the, the sort of historically have that relationship. So yeah, I'm massively into being more financially aware. Uh, and what what does that achieve? Is it control? Is it is it empowerment? Is it all of the above? Because I mean, money's just money, right? But it's it's what yeah. it does. It, it it's again. It's for me. It's it's the the route to flexibility, to freedom, to opportunity, to understanding the decision making behind various things that we I, I do now, and having that understanding that it, it can work itself you don't have to work for money that you can get it working and employing it it's understanding giving giving every sort of purpose or every pound a purpose you know understanding how I distribute it so now you know whereas before I would be working hard for my money and that was the exchange now you know I am so much it is a control I guess but from the the perspective that I know where I'm deploying each of my elements, each of my sort of pounds here and there. And we've never been more sort of secure from a, a family perspective now that we, we are. My husband was a risk manager for you know decades. And yet you, you become very niche in your, your skill set. You become very especially in the city you become an expert in that one area and you, so we were we were actually ignoring you know possibilities we were ignoring the possibilities that were out there because we were very fixed in our mindset with money and then as I, I sort of opened up opportunities that's where 
different wealth streams have, have appeared. And do you think, were they always there and it's just it takes hindsight, maturity, life to go by till you actually sort of suddenly start, you know, a bit like that advert in the paper? Was the advert always there, but just you, you will, was it the say, well, the master will appear when the student is ready? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is that Jim Rowan? Yeah. So I don't know. It's difficult to say because, you know, the high, it is difficult now to, to look back, having now know or understanding the way I do and, and applying what I do. It's difficult to, to know whether that was always there or whether I'm seeing it now with the, the benefit of the, the new lenses. With a lot of things that we used to do, my husband and I, when we were together, when we were accumulating sort of money, we were paying off the mortgage, we were always doing things like, well, we'll have a treat. We'll have a, like a Thursday dinner night out or something. And instead of getting a, a taxi home, we would say, oh, actually, I'm sorry, instead, yeah, instead of getting a taxi home, we would get the train. And what we would do is then put half the difference into a pot. So we were always having that deferred gratification of a buildup of, well, if we, if we get the train, brilliant, you know, and we're gonna, it's going to take us a bit longer to get home, but we've just put... 30 quid into the pot which is great and we'll use that for something else so I think there were some some different lessons that we were already teaching ourselves but it was following the the sort of old model of pay off your mortgage and you know that's what you need to do instead of deploying it we could have had it working much harder at a younger age but I don't do regret I I, I only do helping to educate others in the ways that I've I've sort of learned some some th- some tough love stories in the, in my life. Mm. No, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, curiosity. I mean, is is was that memory? Is that your earliest conscious memory? Then it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, I have photos of me at that age. Is it a, a a sort of a modified memory? It could be because it could be that I was told that that was happened. I do remember other elements where I was a little bit older of sneaking money out of a box to go to London with some friends. And again, it, you know, I got caught and I just wanted to have fun and buy things for my friends and whatever. But I did get caught sort of stealing that money from my parents. Uh, sort of, I think it probably was their, their weekly rent. And again, I was still quite young. I was probably about five or six, maybe seven. But yeah, there's not a huge amount. I just remember it always being the, the strongest memory I have is, is sort of having coins. And I think I must have had them in my hand and I must have gone to put it in my mouth. And my grandmother said to me, oh, don't do that. You don't know where it's been. And so actually I, I, had, a, I had a fear of coins, uh, particularly copper coins, because I just attached that memory of it being dirty and disgusting. and uh, and really, and not great. So that's a common one that I now know of, of associating money with, you know, all sort of negative connotations. And so I actually wasn't able to have money on the table if I was eating. I wasn't able to sort of handle it. I'd have to put a, a note underneath it to slip it into my purse all the way through my life. And it was only recently when I did an NLP course that we worked on that and I was able to get rid of that dislike, strong dislike. How common do you think that is? I mean, I, I recognize some of the traits there as you speak, you know, there's certain certain things and stories and, you know, don't do this and, um, you know, sort of 
misusing money, sort of borrowing money, let's just say, you know, as, as a young person, because <laughs> you don't know, right? You know, your values are there. You, yeah. It's just, that's that object can buy me this so you know you, you don't look at the morality side of it you just look at the the opportunity yeah absolutely and and growing up in a family you are going to be highly affected by the language of what's said and what's not said around you you know how how money i remember my grandmother or my, my great grandmother sort of gives sneaking me that sort of pound note as I was leaving the house it was always done very discreetly you know don't show anyone that I've given you this kind of thing and so it it, it would just become that sort of hidden resource that hidden sort of secret power that people had uh, that they were able to give and I remember you know opening birthday cards when you were little you sort of open it really carefully so yeah it didn't sort of disappear out into the the envelope and the wrapping paper you so little things like that did really to do sort of come back with fond memories as well. But yeah, it's really interesting how actually your money story really does affect. And I, when I work with my coaching clients, I do we do explore that just to see how they are approaching their finances and how they are considering their their potential. How that you know what what is their ceiling for earning wealth for for valuing their services and understanding, you know, how they are being emotionally around money. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So tell me, I mean, seven-year-old Amy, who would we have met? Oh, a little firecracker, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I was always out. I was out and about in the fields with my dog and I would be... What was the dog's name? Sh- oh, Poppy at the time, before that, it was, Poppy was, I was a little bit older. So my first, first dog was Wedgie. Then it was Flute. flute. Wedgie? Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> um, it was a farm dog that my mum thought was a great plan. And, and I think we lasted probably about two or three months because the dog was uh, an Alsatian cross that ate most of the house and and my toys but fortunately not me but she she managed to offload this lovely big dog but I loved him he was brilliant and then we had a springer spaniel who unfortunately was with me in the rivers all day every day I would be splashing about catching fish I I love being outdoors so unfortunately he did actually catch a vials disease and he didn't make it so he was a young pup 18 months and that was so tragic. And we quickly, swiftly, it felt like it was swift. It was probably a year or so afterwards, we got another dog who was a brilliant Heinz 57 variety, gorgeous dog, rescue dog from Bassy Dogs Home. And she was fantastic. So the seven-year-old version of me is not dissimilar to where I am now because I managed to persuade my husband after 20 years to get a Springer and we spend as much time as possible out in the woods together. I work him. He's a working dog. He's, he's brilliant. He's so clever. And we just have the best time. I wasn't sure whether you're talking about the dog there or the husband. It's <laughs> putting him to work. I know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've done that too, haven't I? <laughs> but no, I, I, just, I just knew that if I was going to get a dog and there was a small window, I mean, it was fraction of a second where my husband said yeah all right do it and after 20 years of sort of beating him down to, to do that and just persuading him it'd be the best thing yeah he, he loves the dog now he won't admit it but he does really so were you at that age were you running into school or out of school what was your direction of travel oh both 
I, I yeah, absolutely. Into school to to learn and oh, I was a great student. I love learning, still do. And out of school to just take off that school uniform, put on my wellies or get on my bike, take the dog out. You know. And the benefits of where we were, there was nothing. We had, we didn't even have a shop in our village. We had absolutely nothing. We just had fields, we had barns, we had uh, the river. And yeah, and then I, and then a little bit older version of me took myself onto the river and I was a big rower. Wow. So what, what was the original plan and what was, what was Amy going to do when she grew up? There was absolutely zero plan. I had no idea. I, I chose my university on the basis of I opened up the book and it landed at L and I chose linguistics because it seemed like a, a good plan, seemed like a bit interesting, how to scientific study of language. Yeah, I'll go with that. And then I chose five universities that had good rivers. And that was that was that was decision making. And there was no plan thereafter either. I I did a, a teaching course after to to teach English as a foreign language. Uh, they just changed it to be the certificate of English language teaching to adults. So it became a Kelter. And then I went to London to register with some agencies to teach. And I decided to pop into a, a recruitment consultancy just to get some temp work. And I never left. They offered me a job pretty much on the spot to, to come and work with them as a recruitment consultant. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know, you know, I think I, was, I started off as a receptionist. Then I started doing the admin. And within a year, I was running my own temps desk and I had people out working for me. Absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. I spent all my time interviewing. And here we come full circle back into the interviewing space. <laughs> Wow. So you're actually, uh, maybe I'm getting recruited right now. You know, it's, <laughs> I suddenly feel like I need to sit up in the chair properly, you know, and behave yes, myself. Pete, stop yeah. slouching. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's, I mean, that sounds like almost a, an unconscious competent. You just happen to, to be in the right place at the right time. Is that, do, do we believe in fate? Are we, are we of that thinking? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I impressed my boss, well, my, my, my future boss, when I was being interviewed, he, he loved a couple of things that I had on my CV. And one was, um, was that I'd been working all the way through university and I'd worked as a manager of Thresher, the wine shop. So uh, as an 18 year old, I was a manager at a, th that store, which was you know pretty good achievement. And it was great. And I can still remember all the codes, which are useless. Don't, and I don't need to know that two was Heineken and 99 was Stella, but still, it's still there in the memory. And the, the other thing that really impressed him is that I taught visually impaired and blind children how to row and took them out onto the river in, in a boat on my own. And I was between, between the ages of 14 and 16. And so he, we talked about that. He asked me, what is it you want to be doing? I said, I absolutely don't know. I, I, I know what I don't want, but I don't know what I do want. And we had had an honest conversation and I was often in, in the sort of seven years I worked there, I was pretty much temps controller of the month, most months. I really excelled in that job. I loved working with people. I got people very quickly. And so in the temps position, getting people out working into temporary roles, that's a really important skill to know that they're going to hit the ground running in the, for that client and do exactly what that client needs. So I had that really great ability to match, to match the people with the with the clients 
and often they they actually got permanent jobs there because they were such great matches and and I just loved it I had a team of people in in the office I, we between us we had 400 people out working each week and I knew where everybody was I knew all their phone numbers and this is a time before mobiles my goodness honestly you know it was mobile having a mobile would have been so much easier as a recruitment consultant but this was but I had freedom I had freedom I had flexibility there was no ceiling I didn't you know I I didn't feel that there was any issues from the perspective that I was a woman I felt I was in a space that was absolutely empowering Uh, I had a great time yeah it was it was really awesome I mean it's, it's it almost sounds like you know because of the lack of expectation there that you were allowed to just be in your you know there's, there's no premeditation there right you know and it was just just be in full consciousness and just be there yeah and there is an element that I'm really competitive so I compete with myself more than others are you, are you I, an I, ugly ugly competitor or are you okay with it do you get do you get pretty bad with it uh, no I, I'm I'm good I'm I'm a good loser if that if you if if the other person was worth a worthy winner but <laughs> I, but because that's often I'm competing with myself then you know how does that how does that work who's the worthy loser and who's the worthy winner or you know how does that work I I'm so hard on myself I set very high expectations and I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist but I don't want things to be short of perfection. <laughs> so that's the first time I've heard you you're sort of using different tenses for yourself, you know, and you talked about the I and the myself, you know, I am so hard on myself. And yet I've, I've been struck at how kinesthetic your language has been, you know, and, and that's the first time I've, I've heard you actually split the language. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I, I and, and it is it is a an area that I do have that argument with myself in you know really pushing myself to achieve and and I yeah I'm very I'm very conscious of it but also mindful that it is still a very dominant streak you know it's difficult to to tame one voice multiple voices your own voice I haven't really thought I think it's just one It's, it's just me if I, I used to be really competitive with my rowing and one time my husband came back from work and he heard this screaming in the house and I can't repeat the language but I was absolutely shouting at myself I was on the rowing on the ergo on the concept two, screaming at myself to get a particular time and you know it would it take all effort and I think that's why I've always had that drive I've always had that fire in the belly and it whatever I apply it to it will come out it has to it really will if I if I set myself to something it will come out in that space so yeah interesting thank you for reflecting that on me no it's it's, it's always it is interesting that the language that people use for themselves you know and, and you'll know from NLP and you know we talk about the you know the, the parts you know parts integration and parts compartmentalization yeah, you know, so it's, I always just I find it fascinating when when people do that, you know, and uh, you know how we refer to ourselves. I'm curious, uh, have you been here before? Do you think in this conversation? No, in this life, previous lives. I have incredibly vivid dreams, and often it's difficult to discern whether they were memories, dreams, or visions, or past lives. Who knows? but I am incredibly visual. 
and I have a, a strong imagination and I have a strong, I said earlier, I'm a, a visionary, um, a futurist. So it's difficult to know if I've been here in the past because I often feel like I, I've been in the future as well. It, yeah. Interesting. Mm, well, that's quite a reflection. That's <laughs> the past and the future. Yeah. Do you get a lot of deja vu? Do you get a lot of... All the time. All the time. Yeah. Wow. And very vivid. And, uh, you know, I wake up from dreams. And in fact, focus on why. The whole concept was I'd already created it in my dream. I woke up. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a really good plan. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, let's let's bring that to action. And so, yeah, it was me talking to my other me. <laughs> so it literally came to you in a dream. Yeah, it did. I woke up because I, I had the pressure. And actually, I was talking to somebody last week and we between us, we we realized that I I actually work really well under pressure. And the majority of my intense creations or, or motivations or inspirations have come from being under pressure. And what happened was with focus on why and the whole ideation process of that was that my business partner and I came together at the beginning of the first lockdown back on 23rd of March. And we were talking about how we were going to take the business that we were running together into an online space. And what actually manifested was that he decided and he'd said that he didn't want to work with me anymore. We didn't, he didn't want to do what we were doing together and that he wanted to sort of close it down. And did I have, want to carry it on or, or not? And, and, those, and that was a really difficult conversation because I'd sort of put the last 18 months of effort and energy into that space and really was excited to take it to places with him. And yet he reflected back on me that it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And he said, just look at what you've been posting, look what you're sharing, look where your energy is going. And it was a really, really honest reflection. He was right to point me and show me that. Because I, I, so I was, as I am, full of energy, but it, was it the right space? Was it the right industry for me to be working in? Was it the right topic for me to be focusing on? And again, this is property. And this is, I had the podcast, the Property Vault podcast, absolutely loved it. But when I look at the episodes that I really enjoyed, they were very much the space of talking to people about their journeys, their lives, why they're doing what they're doing. And we we were going to do a closeout episode the following week and 1st of April 2020 I woke up knowing that that was what I was going to share on that closeout episode that I was going to talk about my next podcast is focus on why please come and join me this is what I'm doing had absolutely no idea that that was what was going to happen and how I was going to make it happen I just knew that that was going to happen and you talk about visions or you talked about, do I have these sort of deja vu moments? And I talked about, I have a vision. I recognized, I woke up on the 6th of, of December. I was reading The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And something just sort of stirred. Maybe it was a fire in the belly, something inside. And I had this picture of me. I couldn't hear what I was saying. And I couldn't see me. But I could see me from behind. And I could see this big crowd of 10,000 people listening to what I was saying with intent. And I didn't know what that meant. And 
it's only been in the last sort of six months that I realized that now I've got something to say and that people want to hear it. And that, and that is, that was five years ago. That was 6th of December, 2016. And I didn't know what that meant. And it took me to, to sort of last December to sort of realize that. That's so interesting. And, you know, it, is, it, is that like an authority or giving yourself permission? Because you, you, you said there, you know, you know, it took it took me to realize that, you know, so it's almost, again, a yeah. different part of you that's saying you've permission to come forward to stand up now. Permission is the right word. Absolutely. Permission is the right word to, to speak up and to have that voice and visibility and credibility and authority are all things I think I've been struggling with. And, and definitely, I don't know if I, if that would have happened had I not had a career break. I think there, there was a lot of loss of identity uh, and or identity in the way that reflected my values. Potentially, that was probably a better way of describing it. And it's all the work that I've been doing in personal development now that allowed me to get to that point when with the sort of ideation and creation of Focus on Why, 1st of April, 2020. And my goodness, once I started, there was no stopping. I'd launched that show within 29 days. I'd interviewed over 30 people. And it was just, it, I knew when, when I had that validation from Apple Podcasts, Maybe it was Apple Podcasts that gave me the permission I needed. <laughs> but no, when I got that validation, I already knew how awesome the potential of that show was because I'd recorded all the episodes and I had I had that knowledge. I had that confidence building in the background. And it was just so I was excited to share that. I was excited to see what change was going to be affected. And my first episode I recorded I just talked about that I wanted one person to reach out and say, I hear what you're saying and I'm now going to take action from hearing this message. And I got that message. I got, somebody reached out to me and said, Amy, I'm your one person. Oh my God, I sobbed like a baby because I just thought this is all worth it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And just hearing that message back from someone, I didn't need to know what they were going to do, but they just said that I was the water to the seed that they've planted and that was it was incredible gosh to have that clarity to have that realization you know yeah. as you said the things just dropped just dropped into place it just was and it, it takes bravery I, I mean is it knowing yourself is it it just having a moment of silence to actually hear the right or because you know, this was, I was going to ask you anyway, it's just, I mean, can, are you good at reflecting, uh, you know, on yourself or does it take a, a sort of a mirror holder to potentially help you to see that? That's a bit of both, for sure. And and because my podcast is centrally based on guests, it, the focus is on people coming in to share why they do what they do. I also recognize that I had the space and I was giving myself permission to have the opportunity in between to reflect and observe. And that's why I have those episodes called Reflections and Observations in between five guests so that I have that space to explore and articulate more from my perspective because when I'm hosting, 
I am listening. I'm in that space that I've created with the guest and I simply listen and I ask the questions from the perspective of the audience. What is it they're thinking now that they would want me to ask on their behalf? So I give, I do give myself that vulnerability or, or that opportunity to share my reflections and my thoughts and, and be authentically able to articulate that in in my own space and I really enjoy that and it does you know having that thinking space is something that is really powerful and if I didn't have those those opportunities where I sort of almost force myself to share those I I know that I would get busy doing I'm, I'm a real action taker I don't wait I create I do I, I help I and I do spend a lot of time for other people. So for me, just to sit down and write those reflections and observations, it slows me down because I do go at 100 miles an hour. Isn't it just that, that taking that time? I do. I mean, and you mentioned flow there before, and it's it's almost... It's almost like it's a, it is a, it's a path or it's a medium for you actually to communicate out. And if you're not, then it's sort of, you get stuck. Is that a, is that a fair observation? Yeah. I mean, maybe the, the whole water metaphor of, you know, being, being on a river actually physically, but also using that flow to understand that, you know, I need to have that constant movement in my life. I do. I do love water and I do see that as being a, a very strong for me. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in that respect. So yeah, thank you for reflecting out. It's really interesting, isn't it? When you, when you give yourself a time to explore these conversations and we don't really, I mean, even, even the podcasts that I produce are, are within the hour and you, you and I'm hosting. So I am thinking, you know, from, from the perspective of what is it that the guests are, or the audience is thinking and how much time do we give to ourselves? It's, you know, we do spend so much time busy and there's that expression. I forget who said it, but it's that whole, you, you live your life busy, 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 dead. And, you know, when is it that you stop and pause and reflect and then, take decisions and I think that's what for me having that opportunity to just slot, stop and slow down with the with the property vault and move into a space that actually was true to me you know I, I say thanks to Dan you know multiple times because it really did change my whole world and you know the the opportunities that COVID has given me whilst it's been you know limiting in so many ways it's also given me incredible flexibility and freedom which is you know is ironic because we can't travel we can't we're not free to to move around and yet I've created a space where I'm connecting with people and you said it earlier connecting with people with all with all sorts of people from all over the world I have conversations in Tokyo and 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 America and or everywhere you know it's just it's like the podcast is now in 77 countries and that was just waking up with that one idea and taking it into a space where I didn't know where it was going to go and I talked about that earlier it was okay I didn't need to know where it was going to go I just knew that I had to do it is that trusting is it faith is it I don't know is it brave I don't know it's what what's the right answer there 
if you hadn't have mentioned a word, I probably would have <laughs> given you the answer. Uh, it's probably an amalgamation of of all of those. But I, I do I do think it comes down to the belief, the the inner belief from my perspective that I just knew that podcasting is a medium that I excel in. I really enjoy it. I, I'm utilizing skills of listening, of interviewing, of creating that space of the coaching element that I bring to the to the space, uh, and you know, essentially. I just bring myself, I bring my true self to this space. And it, I'm not a big fan of doing sort of Facebook lives and, and fight, vying for that attention. I'm, I don't need to be that person that stands out in the crowd. I'm quite happy to be the person that sort of sits in the background because I know that the people who need to listen to what I offer, they'll find it and they'll find it in a way that's right for them. I, I yeah, I, I promote the show. I talk about it and I, I talk about it, but most of the promotion and has been word of mouth. It's been recommendation. Uh, it's been a case that other people have stepped up and said, just listen to this episode and this is what I've got out of it. And it happened again today. You know, people are, are, are sort of promoting and I know that, that that means I'm onto a good thing. I, I've done something great here when other people are sharing that, that space. What's what's a great time to get you involved, and then a, a sort of a, a great time to get you <laughs> disinvolved, if that's the right word. What's a great time? What sorry to get you involved? I mean, what what are you what are you really good at? And and I suppose put it the other way is what are you terrible at? It's like right, get Amy out of the room. Oh, that, that's I, definitely not one for her. <laughs> and then vice versa. I, when's the time to go? Yep, let's get Amy in here. This is her. This is her flow state, if you like. So I, I, I don't take no for an answer in terms of I don't believe that things can't be done. So I am a big galvanizer in projects. I, I will take something to the next level. And, and this was something that I can illustrate through a particular initiative that I, I sort of helped instigate or, or ran back in 2012 for a local cricket club. And it was using the initiative provided by the England Cricket Board, so the ECB. And they, they have this NatWest Cricket Force is what it's called. And it's a combination of sort of changing rooms, ground force, and utilising the community, bringing people together. So I researched what opportunities there would be locally, what I could do. And I brought it to the committee and said, OK, guys, we're going to do this next year. Uh, this is back in 2011. And I've spoken to these people. These are their learnings. This is what we could do. These are the people we could connect. And everybody looked at me sort of like, really? We're going to do that? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do all of this. And my husband looked at me and he was the only one that goes, oh, my goodness, here we go. Because <laughs> he knows that once I start, that was it. So what happened? I'll cut the sort of all of the journey of, of all the preparation that we went through. But over the weekend, we had 150 people come and help out and do all sorts of jobs, aged from teeny tiny all the way through to, to older. We had the, the whole of Kent County Cricket Club came down. They were all painting the various sight screens. I had former England player Chris Tavare and his wife painting the ceiling of the, of the cricket club. I had gone on a night out with some girlfriends down on South Bank in, in London and seen a big refurb of one of, of the restaurants. It was Giraffe. And they were chucking out all of their bench seats. So I said, right, don't throw them. I'm coming back. 
So I, I left left the girls, went home, got the car, and was there by I was at about four in the morning, and picked up all of these bench seats before they went into the skip, and we repurposed them for our bar, and they're, they look they're fantastic. I got free carpet, I got free tiles, I got free uh, materials, all amounting to about thirty six thousand pounds worth of time and effort, and. And, and physical materials. We've got all free paint from Dulux. So everybody I asked didn't say no. And that's the thing is that when you bring together a community, when you bring together the skills that are already existing, this is all the hidden potential that people haven't tapped into. It was all there. And yet, you know, it, nobody asks, nobody sort of said, would you be able to do this? So I'm, I'm one of those people that just is not afraid to ask for something. And but understanding how they will be a part of that bigger picture. So as earlier, you know, I've always seen the images. I always have these pictures in my mind, and then I set about achieving them. And yet, I hadn't done it for myself. I hadn't seen my own picture. It's very easy to sort of see external things, but sometimes when you're in the frame, you don't see the picture yourself. So I, I set about all of this. I got nominated and was awarded a county Oscar, which is an outstanding service to cricket award. And then I actually got given or awarded the national Oscar at Lord's Cricket Ground. And I was given, Michael Vaughan gave me the award. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So that's the space where you, you employ me, you get me involved in a project because I take it to a, the next level and I get everybody involved and, and they put them into the into spaces where they excel and they love doing it. And that's what you know what I'm doing essentially with coaching is helping people to see their own potential and then enabling them and out and empowering them to go into that space. Uh, where wouldn't you put me? Uh, don't ask me to do anything that involves data or I like a spreadsheet, but I, I don't want to have to do anything that is too detailed I, I like the big picture are you, are you a doodler oh Give... my goodness yes how did you know <laughs> I, think it's probably... I, I, li I live in, in a my desk looks like a poster explosion <laughs> uh, I, I, there's probably actually a show and never get everyone to turn their cameras around because it's like you know in the <laughs> background's lovely books 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 you know there's a plant it's all very good <sighs> Turn the camera around as you like. Boof, it's like the whole. Yeah, whole it literally is like that. It is is exactly like that. And you know, for fear of, of of embarrassing myself with what I've got written on all of these, but yes, and lots of stars. I do lots of stars. I do lots of doodling and and all sorts. I, I love color, and I love writing. I'm a big journaler. I've been journaling now for fifteen hundred and thirty one days consecutively. And it's an exploration of, of ideas, of creation, of, of thoughts, of emotions, of feelings, of desires, all sorts. Yeah, it's just having that creativity, isn't it? That that sort of, um, you know, just letting the mind just go and stretch. And, and uh, it's like people were talking to me the other day about, you know, coloring in meditation, you know, saying if you struggle to sit, you know, it's like a full-blown adult coloring book, right? It's It's a big thing. Yeah, it really is the mindfulness coloring in. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm, I find it really hard to switch off and really difficult to sort of shut down the noise. You said, you know, is it multiple voices? There's, there's 
lots of things going on. So I think it's all me, but just different versions of me running around in different directions, doing lots of different things. And so I, I do find it hard to have downtime. I find it hard to say enough is enough. Each day I start at zero, which is pretty tough because I have to, by the end of that day, have achieved quite a lot before I can say my day is over. So yeah, I'm, that that comes into the, the the sort of competitive elements, but also that sort of achievement and seeking constant positive transformation and the curious nature that I follow and and there's an element of brilliance it's finding that brilliance in others and and recognizing that mine was hidden so my goodness what you know what's yours let's get yours out too let's find out what what you're capable of when you when you talk about you know that visualization i mean when you're talking to people do you see potential for them do you see opportunity can you you almost have to sit on your hands and go mm-hmm as a coach, of course you do. Yeah, absolutely. It's not for me to say what I think that others should be doing or could be doing or desire to do. I, I have to keep quiet. You know, that that's not for me. That's for them to discover because it wouldn't it doesn't work like that. But I do see it. So I use other ways of, of rooting it out. And I think that's where a lot of people have commented on on my use of questions. And the ability, especially when in, in my interviews, you can see that line of questioning because I do listen. So I, again, as you have done today, you reflect what you hear. And often, you know, you're holding up that mirror. It doesn't have to be the ugly mirror. It can be just a, you know, a generous mirror of opportunity as well. And, you know, oh, that's, that's essentially what I, I love doing as, as I love reflecting and listening. And they're great skills to have, especially in, in my work of, of, of line of work that I, I pursue now. Well, what are you capable of? <laughs> That's a deep sigh, wasn't it? A really deep sigh. I, I don't know where that came. Does that mean that I'm not fulfilling everything right now? It probably well, is. Well, what, what do you really want to say then? Is maybe a better question. It, it was a case of, I just feel like I'm, I describe this all the time, Pete. I say that I feel like I'm just on the brink. I feel like I'm teetering on the edge. And it's, it's a great place that I'm teetering on the edge. It's not like I'm throwing myself off a cliff here. This is, this is like a, a beautiful pool and, you know, diving into that gorgeous water. Here comes the water metaphor again. Oh my goodness. But, but then, you know, what is it I'm capable of doing? I, I don't know yet. And, and that's okay. I mean, I'm really, really am in a good space that I don't need to know exactly what's going to happen next. And before, I, and I talk about this, you know, taking control, living with self-awareness and responsibility. Yes, I do all of that. And it, this is taking me into a space that I don't yet quite understand or know. And that's okay too. You know, I don't need to have all the answers. And I guess that's, an element of maturity or or a knowledge of understanding that I know that I don't know everything at all or even a fraction of that I'm very much you know the fool does think he's wise but the wise man knows himself a fool to be a fool and I am that person I know that I am the fool in this in this role and yet there's there is potential you know what what is it I'm capable of I don't know yet but it will happen 
And that's such a different reflection to what you were talking about earlier. You know, when you get that that sort of drop of knowledge, you suddenly want to preach to the world. And then you learn a bit more and you go, actually, I don't know that much. And then you go through the cycle until you come to the, the point when you're wiser than most, but you're more humble or more listening than most too. I think it's such a great place to be. And I'm, I'm so glad that I, I'm in that space because you know, in the young, in my twenties, I thought, you know, I thought I knew everything. And, and then, you know, in my thirties is sort of raising the children. And then in my forties, I'm like, well, this is a good space to be, you know, what, what, what more is to come? Because this is great. And this is why I use the phrase midlife beginnings, because I really do feel like it is the beginning of a whole new life without it sounding sort of too dramatic. It, it is that understanding that there is a great, living legacy that i'm experiencing right now do you think i mean it has it been a culmination of everything coming together is is sort of led you to this to this point um you know or you know we always destined to get here do you believe as well yeah i i do and that that thread of possibility and positivity has run throughout it's coursed throughout my life and I, I think it was epitomized in the Olympic Games. I think that was where I, it came to fruition. I wasn't an athlete, of course, I was a games maker. And just to clarify there, but I, I was involved in the training of the games makers. I was heavily involved in the school games that happened before the, the actual games as a volunteer. And seeing that and being a leader, being a leader was this is before I went back to work this is when I was still being a full-time mum at home without a, a particular career as such and I went for several interviews as as many people did for the for games maker roles and you got assigned different positions and I was assigned as a team leader and I couldn't quite understand how I was leading these people who were sort of top consultants in in sort of the big five sort of accountancy firms or they were headmasters or they were all these different people with huge amount of experience and yet I had been assigned as a leader they'd seen those leadership qualities and I didn't believe quite why or how and I know that I had the skill set there I had been a manager before but it'd been a long time it'd been quite a, it was 10 years out of of that environment so it was I was did feel a bit like a fish out of water at the time feel there was there was definitely ways of working that I could see people thinking well, why are you doing it like that but but I was recognized as a great team leader I was often on the board as you know top team leader of in in, in the sort of notice boards that we had and people had written little notes saying what an amazing team we'd been and how much fun they'd had and so I do bring that element of fun. I bring that the energy again. And yeah, I'm, I'm trying to recall whether, you know, it was always there or whether it's, I think it is. I think you do have these qualities, but it's just allowing them to, to bubble to the surface. And that's why I love that, the word of effervescence, because it is that constant thing, opportunity for things to bubble to the surface. And allow different things to come to the surface and it is that yeah I have I'm not preachy at all anymore I'm very comfortable in allowing people to 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 find things out for themselves because that's part of the fun how are you with a compliment 
<laughs> yeah, try one. <laughs> Loads. I mean, there's. I mean, the, the way you speak is is very very effective. I must say, it's. You know, I, I love your self reflection and your self awareness. I think is probably the right word. Hmm. It's interesting because I, I have a a passion for writing, and I was always reticent to speak. I didn't enjoy public speaking, and I didn't enjoy being on a stage. I didn't. I didn't like that. I, I was in a, an amateur dramatic show when I was eleven, but I was very much in the wings. You know, very much sort of backstage helping, and I had a very small role, which was to come on and pass people on the stage various items that they needed and it was really interesting because the whole persona that I then got was thank you Amy and so every time I brought something on they the people on the stage encouraged the audience to say thank you Amy so I was really young and I was you know that sort of 11 year old child who was getting 250 thank you Amy's and so, yeah, accept the compliments. Well, I kind of, you know, had it sort of <laughs> drilled down that, yes, you can accept a compliment. And then uh, various things happen in life. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too bad. I, I did, used to do that classic, oh, what this old thing, oh, I've had this ages, that, you know, when you, if someone says you look really nice. Something that changed, and I'm now much better in accepting those compliments, is I had my colours done. And an interesting use of I had them done so as though it's something that is done to you but someone else sits with you and you go through the process and you assess your colors and you become you are one of four seasons if you go through a particular route which is a house of color and I'm a winter and I changed what I wore to be those wow colors and this this blue that I'm wearing this is one of my wow colors and or having a lipstick it on as well and understanding that my range of colors will make all the difference to the way that I am perceived by others and instantly I changed my wardrobe overnight and I only wore things that were my colors and people said straight away oh my gosh you look amazing and all I've done is put the right shade of lipstick on that matched my skin tone put the right accessories on very small differences from an outward perspective, but totally changed. And it really does make a difference. And I, I offered the opportunity to my daughter when she turned 16 to have it done as well. And she now wears the brightest color. She's a spring and she is so confident and she wears bright red trouser suits. She was head girl at school. She is incredibly confident in the way that she shows herself in a space. She wears fabulous colors and I think that that's one of the I was talking to someone about this earlier it's one of the the best things that you can do is understand and then receive those compliments but understand why you're getting those compliments you know understand that you are being true to yourself by wearing the colors that are, are right for your tone and your sort of whole visage and that is also the style as well the different styles of the clothing you wear makes a massive difference in your appearance so yeah I think that was a big turning point for me to be able to accept a lot more compliments is when I I was much more able to but yeah yeah it's amazing just because I mean the other question sort of follow on with this you know is you know do you like yourself and do you love yourself 
Yeah, uh, do you know, it's, that's a great question. And I, I was journaling about this the other day and I, I said, I am so proud of who you are and what you're doing. And you are amazing at what you do. And I I've really start to notice that it's something that I, re- I just encourage other people to do is to journal from that subconscious position. And that's where you sort of wake up in the morning and you just write absolutely whatever is coming out. And quite often the first two or two pages are not, not very much at all, but then you actually start to really write. And then a few days later, go back and reflect on what you've written. And I would highlight those elements that may be deemed negative or from a position of disempowerment. And then I'd rephrase those and I'd write them as positive affirmations or positive statements. And, and then reflect that language. And you spoke earlier about how I articulate myself. That is because I'm writing every day. And what I write, I then sort of reflect on and it becomes embedded. And then I start to vocalize it. And I think that makes a huge difference. And if somebody said to me the other day, I was, in, I was doing a clubhouse room talking about focus on why and talking about public speaking. And I got a private message saying, have you thought about doing a TEDx on journaling and the power of, of, your, of what your journaling has, has enabled you to do? And I said, no, I haven't, but it's a great plan. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, yeah, look, looking forward to that then. <laughs> yeah, the little red dot beckons. <laughs> yeah, thoroughly recommend it. It's, uh, listen, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much there, but I mean, that's, that's a beautiful place to be, that just to be in awareness of yourself, to be acknowledging of yourself, your power, your capability, your why, everything, right? You know? Yeah, it's living, breathing, walking the walk and talking the talk. I created Focus on Why, partly to understand what it is that I wanted to do. You know, it was that initial search for a meaning and purpose in life for myself and understanding what that then has enabled me to do going forward and bringing that to a space publicly where I could share that with others, reaffirm it for me, but also to encourage other people to question what they're doing and why they're doing it. If they're not doing what they love doing, what is it they are doing? It's a simple question, <laughs> but not many people know what, what the answers are. Do you think they know the answers or they just never sat down? I mean, what is it? Is it, is it buried deep or just lack of introspection? I think it's different for many people. It could be that they they know the answers, but they don't want to go there. It may be that they don't want to, for for many reasons, explore that further. There may be a a lack of understanding or ignorance or or desire. Uh, There's lots of different reasons. Uh, I can't speak for, for other people. I just know from my perspective that having found a route that worked for me, potentially it could work for others. And by having different people share their different stories, something somewhere might trigger or resonate or or activate or be the catalyst for someone to pursue a desire that maybe they they they've been not not pursuing for whatever reason but having that belief in themselves having that understanding that they could be brave and step up 
if that's what it meant for them, whatever it means for whomever, just know that, give it a go. You're 150 plus episodes into your podcast, right? You know, yeah. what have you learned? It's a great question. And it's really interesting because with my reflections, I know that if I went back and listened to another the episodes that I'd already reflected on, those reflections would be different because I'm in a different space to where I was then. So what have I learned is that we change, we evolve, we adapt, we are incredible as humans. And that understanding who you are and what you do and what you want, you have all of that ability to do all of that. You even have the option to be and have and do whatever it is that you desire, but it is down to you taking that action. No one else is going to do it for you. And the sooner that you recognize that, the better. I, I was, you know, was I waiting for that kind of knight in shining armor to, to save me? Well, no, I had to be that, that person. I had to be that for myself. And I, and I was also that person for other members of my family at one point to help them. And now the, the dynamic is sort of constantly shifting. But I, I, what I've really learned is that there is so much to be found, to be discovered, to be unearthed, excavated, whichever word you choose, if you just go to look, if you dare to look. But often you're sitting there. It's right there with you. It's all there. And it's just a case of listening to yourself being true to yourself and exploring that in a more deep fashion that you will get the answers that you need. I love that use of that word. It's, it's, you know, if you dare to look, you know, it's almost a, a challenge slash threat slash opportunity all rolled <laughs> up into what do, what do you dare, you know, but it's awesome, right? So I think powerful. so. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I, I've spent the last six months pondering trying to to piece together that exact question what is it i have learned what is it that i've taken from this so that i can distill that into a publication into a book form and and i i put that off because i i'm like well what have i learned that is unique enough to warrant it being put down on paper is it is it just a regurgitation of other people's ideas is it you know does anybody actually want to hear this and then when we were having this discussion now and thinking about it, it you know, the, the whole understanding of, of the journey that I have gone on, I know will be of value to others. It, there, there is a way of pulling that together that will be of benefit to others. So it's just articulating it in the right way. But it is it is there. It's, it's close. It's not quite there, but it's close. Tell me this time and money, no object. What's what's Amy doing? I am doing <laughs> that is this is this is this is it time and money no object I am in the right space and you know, spending that time with my fabulous dog who's not here right now uh, and also just enjoying the time that I have and choosing I'm very deliberate now in in how I spend my days you know I I, have, I am the boss of my own 
diary. I'm the boss of my own space. And I love that. I, I couldn't think of a better way to be than, than doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, guilty pleasure. Do you have one? Take the guilt out of it if you wish, just the pleasure then. <laughs> well, it's definitely, we've got into a routine as a family to, to end the day with a Netflix series. <coughs> Sorry. Cough. It's, it's always interesting when people talk about guilty pleasures, generally TV, wine, chocolate, crisps. It's always generally one of those four. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, chocolate probably comes up pretty high there. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful what we all reflect on really. Isn't it? Yeah. So for me, it's a lovely glass of wine chilling out. Yes. There's, there'll be some chocolate there, although I am a big crisps fan. Oh my goodness. I'm more savory than sweet. What's, what's your go-to in the crisp department? Oh, uh, any any type of kettle chip. Uh, I love the sweet chili ones. Yeah, any of those. Uh, but yeah, I like the vegetable ones as well. They're they're pretty fun. And what's what's yeah. the wine accompaniment then? Is that a is that a white wine, red wine? So if it's white, it's a Sauvignon Blanc. If it's red, there's a really lovely Cabernet Sauvignon that we've discovered that is from. Oh, where is it from? I think it's a South African. It's, re- it's brilliant. I love it. Uh, I do like a whiskey and it has to be a Highland. Uh, I'm not, I a, 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 don't like it being a peaty. So I'm much more of a, of a sort of, yeah, space side than um, peat. And what else? And, I, and my champagne's probably my favorite. That's my sort of go-to, go-to that, that implies it's every day. So <laughs> I, I go to the cellar and pick from the collection. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because we do we do have a garage full of it that we we do big trips where we go over and we sort of fill the back of the car up and bring it home. We found a fantastic small champagne house which is brilliant and very reasonable. So it's yeah, re- like really reasonable and oh, it's, it's a little beauty in the heart of FNA. That's uh, a lot of people have just gone and booked their trips now, you know, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they need to find that. What's something that not many people know about you? Oh. Um, what do they not like? Uh, what do they not know about me? I don't know. I'm, I'm fairly, I'm a fairly private person, so it's difficult to know what to sort of share. Everybody know. I'm trying to work out if everybody knows all these things. What's left? <laughs> Let's work that way through. I don't know. Um, they probably no. I, I can't think of anything. Let me have a little ponder on that. I'll That's come back right. to you. <laughs> you stumped me for the first time today, Pete. Well, there you go. There you go. But I'm a fairly yeah. I'm a fairly open book, but I'm also private in the sense that I don't share. I don't share a huge amount of emotion in terms of I, I'm quite sort of stoic and will will be the, the strong one in the room. But you put me in front of TV, I will cry like a baby. So it's bizarre. If I have to sort of talk about myself, I'm very strong. But if it's everybody else, I will cry like a baby. And I'm, <laughs> I'm quite comfortable about that. Uh, what do they not know? Uh, yeah, no, you've got me. I'll, I'll have to. Oh, maybe, maybe it's about the dog, the dog training. 
non, I don't share very often about the ability to to train and have a fantastic relationship with a dog because that's just me and the dog out in a space where other people don't see that. So I love that bond and I have special bonds. I've been asked to train other people's dogs and I, I say, okay, I will. And I take them away and have that, have the dog for a week and, and sort of return the dog and share how, what you know, how I've trained them so they can carry it on. But in the world of a Springer, there's a special connection that you have with a working dog and, and really tapping into their intelligence, their mental energy. And a lot of people try and exercise springers and you won't ever out exercise a springer, but you will do if you, you get them to use their brains. So that connection I have, and I've got the, the, the sort of ears of a springer as well <laughs> with my hair. Um, yeah, I have a, a great connection with, with dogs. So that's probably something that people don't know. You've uh, like a, a canine higher perception or something there. <laughs> there's, there's some sort of acronym I'm sure you could run out, you know. Well, it's, it's actually listening and, and also predicting and sort of really being attuned to what they're about to do and stopping them before they do that. So it is there is a, an, an understanding. But again, it's, it's having that connection, being very clear with communication and direction. So having very clear hands or whistle signals for what you want them to do. So I can put my dog into a field and I can direct him to any single spot. You could put a staff all over and I could get that dog, my dog to sit right on that point for you. So being able to, to get him to do that. And also he'll be able to find anything if you could plant anything in there and he'll be able to, as long as I knew where it was so that I can direct him to that spot, we could do that. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's sort of like a, I mean, is there control there? Is it, are you sort of quite keen on control? It has come up a few times today, hasn't it? So I think controlling controlling the things I, I can, I like to, and then I, I am also able to let go of the arrest. And before maybe there was a, a difficulty in doing that and, and feeling very much that things were happening to me. And, and now I am understanding that there is an element now that I do have much more control. And I enjoy that, knowing that I get to choose how I want my life to, to be as opposed to it feeling as though i was drifting before because all i'm getting is a, is a real there's a real team of service there you know so it is the you know the ability to to serve everything from bringing the props onto stage through to recruitment your massive service through to hosting podcasts again you're serving you're, you're pulling out to finding out you know where could we <laughs> it's almost what's your message what could we do with you here you go good luck you know it's like that that service has continued all the way through your life really isn't it it seems yeah for sure and and again it's only with hindsight that you um, you connect those dots you, you see that thread but it, it really is a valuable exercise to spend the time looking at what you were doing as a child because they will it will highlight your strengths more so and you'll see that but often you dismiss it as being those passions those sort of frivolities but actually there will be stories there smaller stories that you might dismiss but they're the powerful ones they're the the smaller ones that come to the fore now yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. So tell us, if you were to describe your fire in the belly then in one or two words, what would that be? Betterment. 
betterment of, of life, values, passion, purpose, meaning. How many words? If I So just one or two words you said. I think it probably goes down to connectedness, brilliance, and betterment. Great words. It's three words, but we'll let you away with it. <laughs> one or two adds into three. <laughs> I love the way they're not just words. It couldn't just be brilliant. It has to be brilliant, you know, and, and connecting this, you know, so uh, I love it. That's uh, well, it's, it, it comes down to it's not about me, Pete. It's about, you know, the, the whole world. It's that bringing everybody together. And, and you know, the connection is one word, but the connectedness takes it to the next level. And, and the brilliance is, as you say, it, it's bigger. It's that ability for everyone to shine. Not, it's not about me. So tell us, well, this is about you. So tell us where can people hunt you down, track you down, stalk you, follow you, sign up to you? Where, where, where well, are we sending everyone to? Other, other than going to the woods and finding me there, uh, amyrowlinson.com. Brilliant. Love it. Final message you'd like to leave with people? I'll, I'll challenge and ask that question. Are you living or are you existing? like it like amy it's been an absolute pleasure having you on thank you so much thank you for sharing and uh it's been great so i I wish you all the best until until the next time thanks pete it's been a real exploration that i've thoroughly enjoyed thank you thank you well that was another great episode of fire in the belly you know this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys and boy boy sometimes it is personal it's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.